there, and thanks for joining me for another episode of Spoke. This week, we've got Michael Malarkey, who's sort of a double threat. Not only is he a really great actor, starring in uh, The Vampire Diaries, as well as Project Blue Book, and in addition, he's also a musician. Um, he had a hardcore band called Shadyside back uh, in the late 90s through the early aughts. Um, and uh, as he revealed here, they're about to put out a new album uh, coming out very soon. As a solo artist, he's released numerous records. Uh, a couple of EPs called uh, Feed the Flames came out in 2014, as well as Knots in 2015, and uh, Captain Solitaire in 2018. Uh, he's released numerous singles, um, and uh, studio albums, the latest is called Grave Racer that came out in 2020. Check it out. It's really good stuff. It's like, uh, imagine somewhere between like a kind of an indie Leonard Cohen meets uh, Nick Cave meets Cursive, something along those lines. Michael's a really fascinating guy, and I thoroughly enjoyed this, this conversation with him. Um, so check out his music on YouTube. It's readily available. It's everywhere. Um, I, I don't think you'll be disappointed. And as always, thank you so much for your continued support of this show. Um, your enthusiasm means a lot, and all your uh, kind words mean even more. So do me a favor and help spread the word about Spoke and about this podcast and what I'm trying to do here. Um, we've got a lot of great upcoming episodes uh, for you to all tune in for. And uh, in the meantime, I'd like to... Thank my sponsor, Kachunk Records in downtown Annapolis, Maryland, one of my favorite record stores on the East Coast, as well as uh, the musicians who provided the music for this show, Michael Hampton and So Rob Habibian, some DC punk rock royalty right there, by the way. Uh, so thanks again. Remember, please share this podcast wherever you can. It's available wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, if you get a chance, rate us. That would be great. Uh, I'd love to hear your feedback. And you feel free to, uh, to email me anytime and, and let me know what you're thinking. Enjoy. This one's a fun one. Into the great wide open embrace You better take me now before I escape, I found the scavenger's way Erasing the grave Yeah, these are the years that I said to be cold I traveled the world, yeah, rock and roll And in my snow globe home I'm king of the road Come on, shake me up Shake me up Shake me up Glasses on, cause I don't want you to see I'm out of control, I'm falling asleep And how I'm lost in the weeds of a terrible dream I saw a hurricane, took a devilish trees I saw the god of the sea, set his sights on me I do whatever it takes to get out of this place Do it, 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 do it,
pace and crashing to me I got a switchblade love like I was 17 I felt the savagery and I burst at the seams And I was ready to die I felt my ribcage creak and then the dove of peace hovered over me I'm a predator's prey I get out of bed Cause I don't sleep anyway The most terrible dream Is keeping me away Your heavenly arms And your heavenly face But no heaven for me Without your embrace I found a scavenger's way Of racing the grave Come on and raise me up Thanks so much for joining me. I really appreciate your time. You're welcome. Pleasure to be here, man. Yeah, um, fan of yours, and uh, been wanting to do this for for a while. And uh, I think we've got, I think we've got a lot in common. You know, we're, um, you know, um, I was always a, I always liked Shady Side, which was your your band in um, like ninety, like late nineties to like two thousand four, two thousand five. I was kind of a latecomer to them. But, um, um, and, uh, and then when I found out, when I put the two together, that you were the same guy that was acting like vampire, Michael, uh, was a, played a key role in vampire diaries, as well as, uh, project blue book on the history on, was it history channel? Yeah. History channel, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great fucking show. Thank you. Um, and, uh, I went, Whoa, like, okay, I got to talk to this guy. <laughs> um, so I'm glad we're talking. Yeah, man. Well, similar roots, and I've been obviously following the work you've been doing and um, relate to, oh, to so many of the the, the, the the groups, obviously, that you're talking about, but also the memes. <laughs> so relatable. Yeah, with the memes. From, from where yeah. I'm sitting, you know, so, uh, you know, it's it's good to chat. 
Music and humor, man. Yeah, that's, I, that's what's going to save the world. I, you know, yeah. There's some days I, I you know, uh, I can find the humor in just about everything. And then there are days where I just go, you know what? I got nothing in the tank today. So I'm just going to, you know, and that's when I get in trouble. Because that's when I do the, you know, that's when the the political stuff comes right. out. And that's when I get the death threats. But that's, you know. Comes with the territory. Yeah, and that's kind of fun too. But <laughs> um. <laughs> so people know who you are. There's always going to be someone who wants to tear you down, and I think it's one Absolutely. of the things you have to come to terms with being in the limelight, as it were. And I like to you no, know, take criticism, uh, whether it's hostile or otherwise, and compliments, and treat them very, very carefully. You know, because compliments can also get you in even more trouble sometimes than. Criticism. absolutely absolutely it's a weird i don't i mean you know everyone knows this social media is a very strange you know um environment and uh you know it it, it comes with all with its own set of um you know warnings and and everything else and uh you know you just have to kind of navigate it the best way you can and you know, for the most part, people are great, but, but yeah, I mean, everyone's got an opinion and, um, and they, they don't mind letting you know what it is. So yeah, true that, yeah, whatever. So sometimes it bothers me. Sometimes it doesn't, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I guess what I'm curious most about is like, what, where did you start? Did the acting come first or was it the music that came first? Because a lot of times they go hand in hand, but but sometimes they don't. So I'm just curious. They were actually very separate things in a way. Like I did some plays like, like when I was a kid, extracurricular, but it was never something I was like, oh my God, I want to be an actor. It was just like something to do. And uh, I wasn't like a big jock or anything. And it was uh, some, somewhat art artistic. That's that's very loose at that age, you know. You're still sure. figuring shit out, but um, I I enjoyed the community of it, getting together, having a group of people who were playing and uh, using their imaginations, you know. And I didn't really have skills as a musician at that time. I took piano lessons when I was younger for a bit, but I absolutely hated it. I think a lot of it had to do with the rigidity of learning other people's songs note for note sure. having to sit with them in the exact way that they've written yeah. them out and and um i felt that was really constrictive so i think it turned me off of music for a bit initially and um as far as me becoming impassioned by where my path has led me music was first for sure and um so years after the piano debacle, um, I uh, just started getting really into music and, and um, listening to music on the radio, of course, is the first place most, sure. most people hear it. And, you know, it starts off with, in my age, was Ace of Bass, Madonna, right. all that shit. And <laughs> I loved the yeah. hooks and I really loved yeah. how it made me feel and the energy of it. And um, I suppose in a weird way, a logical progression from that kind of sound is punk rock. 
<laughs> I don't know. There's a, there's a weird connection there with that 80s driving rhythm, the melodies. And um, when I first stumbled upon Operation Ivy, um, was that was my first really mind-blowing kind of... moment where yeah. I felt the energy, the lyrics were far more interesting than anything on the radio and creative, but also like a bit, you know. Sure. And great place to start. It, it really just, I, I, I kind of started in with that, got into Rancid and uh, Minor Threat yeah. also at this around the same time as Op Ivy. So those were two very big columns in my musical upbringing. Oh, yeah. And uh, I mean, they're, oh, they're yeah. good ones. <laughs> and uh, I did a lot of backtracking, obviously, and then got into punk ska a lot. And that was my mm -hmm. first real, like as a 13 year old, going to those shows, feeling that positive, masculine, yeah. not, not masculine, but like a safe way to express yourself physically. It was a different, it's a different kind of energy at a, at a punk ska show yeah. than, than there was at, like if it were, you were going to see, you know, Agnostic Front. It's yeah. a totally different. You know, and I graduated to those know. things later on, yeah. but it, yeah. it, punk ska was definitely a very happy uh, way for yeah. me to go in and uh, lose myself a bit. And I'll never forget stage diving and crowd surfing for the first time and sure. all of a sudden feeling supported, literally, and connected yeah. to people in a mass yes. around me. And I suppose that's in a way why I've come full circle and gone back to that because I feel like a lot of that is what we're missing and not just live shows, which is, which is huge, but just feeling like you're together experiencing something yeah. beyond what we're doing, which is this, the substitute for is the online community, which is pales in comparison to the, the visceral connection you get. Yeah. But, um, yeah, there's nothing better than to have it a physical connection with people with complete strangers and yet your trust. I mean, when you're, you know, crowd surfing or where you're stage diving, you have complete trust in the strangers. You're, you're jumping off into the abyss. You're jumping off into the unknown and they're all there and they all catch you if you're lucky. And they all, you know, uh, if you fall, they pick you up. And, you know, it's um, that, as you said, I mean, that, was something I learned early on and was like, wow, I don't know these people, but yet we're all connected. And it was a really, you know, it's a really powerful thing when, especially as, as a, as a younger person, when you, you know, um, when you discover that and, uh, and then it became, you know, this just kind of, if you, if you were, you weren't at a show and you were walking down the street and you saw someone wearing, let's just say an operation Ivy t-shirt, you would exchange this knowing glance like okay yeah tribe like <laughs> it's a tribe i don't even know your name but we're connected yeah and there was a there was a mutual thing there and um well it's it's what i imagine people who are heavily invested in their religion must feel you know and i suppose that's, I think that's a great example in a way yeah. my religion is is music i suppose if i my if family. i had one I don't believe in labels too much. I find they kind of get in the way of community sometimes, um, ironically. But um, yeah, I mean, that's, so that's that's where it all began was was the punk sky years, and I started working in the local record store. 
which is called Dingleberries, um, based in Yellow Springs, Ohio. There was a sister store in Dayton, which was the original one. And mm-hmm. from that point on, that was when I really just became a music junkie, you know, a full-on John Cusack, high-fidelity dude. And yes. um, I read everything, every magazine on the shelf. I read liner notes. Yeah. I picked random vinyl because of the picture and just thought I'd stick it on. And I had free reign because it was like one of these shops where it's me and maybe one other dude working at any given time and dead as hell certain hours. So we just spin records, listen to new shit, listen to old shit. Like you ever heard of, I'd never heard of Rush at one point. And I was like, all right, well, I'm going to listen to all the Rush records. I turned it off about halfway through, but uh, yeah, yeah, me too. (laughs) You know? Yeah. Yeah. We, we had a very shared experience when I was, uh, 17, 18, I worked in a record store. It was an indie record store. Um, and it was like a hippie. The guy was like a hippie um, stoner. Same like they, I was so naive. Yeah, oh, really? Yeah. I was so naive. They sold um, pipes. Yeah. Like in a glass. There was like a glass enclosure, count, whatever, by the counter. And they sold pipes and, and uh, um, uh, rolling paper. And I was so naive. I had no idea. I thought, oh, well, I, I guess that's just like if you want to smoke. Smoke the music. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, you want to smoke a pipe because my dad smoked a pipe. I thought, oh, okay. Well, you, you know. Um, but, of course, it turned out, you know, that it was a head shop. But it was also a record store. I mean, we had tens of thousands of records. And it was just free reign. Like, you could just – and it was such a great – I don't know about you, but it was – I mean, that's how I got my musical education because – before that, I was reading fanzines. And I was I, I made my own fanzine, but but I was always reading, just a voracious reader. And just and then you get into a record store, and suddenly the owner, not only is the owner into Minor Threat, but he's also into Coltrane. He's also into Lee Scratch Perry, or or uh, Billie Holiday, or um, you know fucking Polka. Mm-hmm. And you're going like like okay, I'm not or Ray Charles, like all this stuff like that I had never heard before. And it's playing like full blast. And I just got this new appreciation. And it really gave me context for the music that I was in at the time. And of course, my, my uh, that broadened as I worked there. And as I got, you know, as you get older, you kind of realize, oh, there's more to life than just, you know, hardcore punk yeah. or, or punk rock. And, I swear it must have been the same uh, record store, man. I mean, we were a head shop right? too. And, uh, well, did you oh, really? Yeah, I used to always throw up a back and five <laughs> sign on the front door and take a little lap in the garage. I mean, it was, it, it just came with the territory. It's a hippie town, Yellow Springs, Ohio, and it's just part of the yeah. landscape. Unfortunately, the shop has gone under since, and now sure. it's, at least Save it's a mind. comic book shop. So, oh, is similar it? Uh, creative vein of things, which is nice. So the building is still there. Yeah. It's just changed. It's just, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I um I mean, how did that how did working at that record store for you at such a, you know, formative age like I mean, what did that do for you in terms of just the way you heard music and the way that you understood it and uh you know, just the the, um, the kind of value that you had Well, you know, I, this, this just music. just crossed my mind and I've never thought about this before, but I think like you said, music is literally blasting through the store and you're absorbing it and you're feeling it on not only a cerebral level, but like a physical level. But more than that, you're experiencing on a shared listening environment. 
And I think that has really been a huge part of how I listen to music, I suppose. It's like, how is this going to be absorbed by the people as opposed to just mm -hmm. what's my, you know, connection to the music and nothing wrong with that, by the way, I don't mean to right. call that out or anything, but I think I've always held that since then is that, that feeling of like how it's going to be uh, accepted or rejected. And uh, I yeah. don't know, it's maybe, maybe it's like a music scout mentality or something like that. Um, Cause I'm, 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 no, I'm always scouting. I mean, it's just like what I do in my spare time. I'm sure you're similar where it's like, I want to know the new shit that's going on. I want to, I want to hear all the fucking new sounds the kids are making and see, always see what I did. Always. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm going to admit something that I've, I don't, I've only admitted to a handful of people, but I will say that I was young and I was a cocky <laughs> music snob. Yeah. And um, this is even before, Nick Horns, like, I mean, before the, um, uh, fuck the, um, John Cuse. Oh, I'm going to have to edit this later. What was uh, uh, well, the, Thank yeah. you. Jesus. Okay. <laughs> so, um, yeah, this is even before high fidelity, but I have to admit, I I'll never forget. There was, um, somebody that called about a Ray Charles record and it was like one of his worst records and I hung up on them. <laughs> Yeah. So I was a total dick. Yeah. But uh, I, I remember saying certain but, times someone come up with a certain record, be like, like really? Like, no. Like, yeah. You no. should try it. And then get into this, you know, dick to dick yeah. situation going on. <laughs> totally. Totally. And, and I actually kind of miss, I mean, there were a couple, I don't know about you, but there were a customer, a couple customers that, live for that like they they came up with their album and they were ready for you to like you know critique yeah. it and by the end of it i was like you know what i don't have the energy to you know you want to buy your shitty like whatever buy it but like um there were definitely a time you know when you're young you just you're like oh no you don't need the production on this the song no check out the first record on this label that you know it, you know just the total like cliche record store clerk asshole yeah, yeah. that was me well the, i mean um, in, in here this is one of life's greatest lessons and i think the sooner people get to that point who haven't yet of everybody's gonna like something different you know as soon as we surpass that need for others to appreciate life the way we appreciate it it just opens shit up and then all of a sudden yeah. you're able to appreciate someone else's joy in something is i don't know like uh, it's a little more fickle and maybe you can latch on to that fickleness for a minute and appreciate it yep. again you know i mean it's raising kids it's like it's the same that's something you learn when you exactly. get kids right you're like okay i have to pretend I that this magic trick you've learned is new and blows my mind <laughs> And exactly. And I learned it. That was, I think, having kids for me when it came to music, because I had, you can't take that same set of expectations you have for other music geeks like you um, with your kids. I mean, you can't expect them to like, you know, uh, the B side of like fucking X Ray Specs is like second single. I mean, you know what? Right, right. You can't, ex you know, it's just not going to happen. They're not going to appreciate. So you learn to appreciate what they appreciate, right. and um, and it all changes. And and you know, it all comes with age. But you know, 
And now I just don't have the, it's not even about the energy. It's just, to me, it's just like, okay, that's cool. You, you dig that song. That's, that's great. Like I have no opinion, you know, it's just like, New, I mean, neutral, every once in a, a while. neutral space yeah. for that kind of chat, you know? Yeah. Exactly. It's like, well, you can choose, and, you know, or in life, which, you know, the basics of meditation or you can let your thoughts keep going. You know, you don't have to latch on to each little one and investigate it fully and go down that rabbit hole. And um, I don't meditate like I should, but um, that's something that I've learned over the years for sure is like, you can choose which, which things to chase and, and when to breathe and let it pass. Well, I mean, a similar analogy might be like when you have kids or when you're married or whatever it might be, the case might be, it's like, choose your battle. So yeah. like, you know, pick and choose your battles. Am I going to like argue over the merits of a particular album? No, I don't No. You know what? You love this record. Enjoy it. Yeah. Like, what does it matter what I think? Yeah. Just turn it down a couple, you know, just <laughs> bring it down a little bit. You know, it's not a big deal. It's just music, <laughs> you know, and music's important, but it's important to me and it's important to you, but you know, and it's all good. Um, so I did a documentary about a magazine called cream magazine, which was, um, a big in the seventies. And, um, it was kind of, you know, it was a who's who of like rock critics. And I think that's probably where some of my snobbery came from. I, you know, um, as a young, younger person. Um, but as I grew older and as I worked on this film, I realized that these critics who could be savage, you know, and we're talking about some of the biggest, biggest critics of the time, you know, um, but it came from a good, I'm, I'm, I'm convinced that it came from a good place. I'm convinced that it came from a love of the music. Yeah. They weren't slagging it simply to slag it. Maybe they were in some cases, but I like to think that they love that band so much that when they destroyed it, it was not because they wanted to simply destroy it because, you know, just for the sake of it, but because they expected more. Mm. Yeah. And I don't know if there's, you know, I don't know if that's entirely true, but I think, so what I'm trying to say is I think it came from a good place. When, it, when it's at its most pure, that's where it comes yeah. from. And I, I think just like with anything, um, these industries have become completely bastardized over the years yeah. and turned into this meat slinging fest and um you know it's it's i i think what becomes apparent over the years when you, is you start reading between the lines of certain journalists and you can start to see who's got a real chip on their shoulder about stuff yeah. and who's actually approaching it from like you said a more a more neutral place of wanting to investigate a record uh, that's right but um, it's hard to know the difference sometimes when you're younger and you just latch on to a brand like, you know, or a branded website like Pitchfork, et cetera. And you just right. go, with what they say is gospel. Um, and it's not. No. Well, also, you have so many different. Well, here's a story that connects. Like, I used to be bewildered by reviews and obsessed with kind of knowing what's being said about you. You know what I mean? And when you first start out, you're, you're very protective of that space. So it's, um, sure. okay, there's people that are talking about my performance on stage or whatever. I want to know what it is. Um, 
this wanes over time you don't give a fuck <laughs> but uh at the beginning <laughs> yeah, it, but at first, it's very it's, important you know. and it's also the first time you're negotiating yourself as a public person and you want to make sure the two things are walking side by side right um at least i think they should be you know your public personality unless you're playing a role should should be you should practice what you preach basically um anyway so after a show actually it was my wife's show in the West End, I went and saw her performance. And then afterwards, there was a critic there who was a very reputable critic from the independent newspaper. Is your wife she's a, an actress. a musician She's, as she's well? an actress. Oh, actress. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And so we're talking about theater critics here, different breeds. Right. And uh, no, it's an entirely different breed. Yeah. I'll never forget seeing this person in the flesh and going, that's who it is? And it, this was somebody who... I was like, this couldn't be somebody further from who I am as a person and what I see about the world. So why am I investing so much energy in trusting what they say about a show? You know, and it was like a real aha moment for me. I mean, this, there was like dandruff on the suit and shuffling around. And I was like, I mean, you look like you haven't left the house in weeks. Um, <laughs> he probably but, yeah, yeah, for sure. back. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was a real aha moment for me, I suppose. And I was like, these are just people. So take everything with a grain yeah. of salt, read it. And if they're good writers, keep reading them because they're always going to bring you some interesting perspective, but it doesn't mean you have to agree with everything they say. You know? Yeah. 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 It's um, film critics are, are kind of a different breed too yeah. um, than music critics. Um, and you know, um, I, you know, luckily it, for the most part I've been spared. Um, but you know, every once in a while it's still, it, you don't remember the, I mean, backtrack, you remember the good ones, but the ones that you really remember are the bad mm -hmm. ones. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, let's face it. Mm -hmm. Um, Can't shake it out what, of your head. You know, even, even if they don't bother you anymore, it's still like this little tiny ghost up there. It's going, in there. Hey, I remember when they said that. It's, do I still do that? I don't think so. Do I do that? You know, and you know you've no, gotten over true. it, but like you're still questioning. Right. It. No, they haunt you. And um, did you feel any additional, like when you started performing music, did you feel any additional sort of vulnerability on stage because you were this actor that people, you know, adored and loved and now you're, and, and it's been done by other act, you know, actors have, 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 you know, switched over and done music, but um, did you, was there any kind of vulnerability for you? Like, oh, they're looking at me in a different way. Like I'm under a different microscope or was that not in your head? Yeah, no, I, well, I couldn't escape it a little bit, you know? I mean, it was right. a natural uh, unsolicited uh, thing I had to think about all the time. And um, not, not just because on the level of, me being used to hiding behind a character or a show having to just be there present looking yeah. at, at people because you know obviously in the theater you're not stuck, you're not looking at the audience unless you're doing brecht sure. or something but um that took a, a while for me to just get used to being comfortable myself taking my time um allowing the space 
to do the show instead of pushing through it. And by the end, I feel like I'm in my element and then, and then the show's over. But the amount of shows at the beginning of my career where I literally all of a sudden felt like I was in my sweet spot at the second to last song is, it's just um, unbelievable. Almost every show when I was starting out felt like that, but that's the nerves, you know, getting used to harnessing them. And, you know, something I talk about a lot is how fear in my opinion is just misdiagnosed adrenaline. And, and mm. so we stand there and we're terrified, but we're actually scared of the fear and it betraying us when we actually have to meet it and saddle it up and, and, and ride it and um, learn how to, to work simultaneously with it. And a horse is a good metaphor because a horse, if you've ever ridden a horse, you just have to think left. And once you get into that pocket with a horse, you're literally one animal. And that's how you have to treat fear as an artist. You know, it's terrifying being on right. a horse if you're not used to. It's a big beast. Right. It could bash your fucking brains in, man. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah. I think respecting it like a horse as well. You know, your fear is also showing you your shortcomings, even though they're not, I don't consider them shortcomings, but it shows you the wall of what you're comfortable with. And when you put your hand on it, you realize it can move you know right um, but yeah it was definitely hard at first and, and another thing that was difficult was i got a lot of a lot of people who were vampire fans at the beginning of me playing playing out um yeah what was that like well what was tough was and look somebody who's there appreciating and being a part of the show and is there for the music is i don't care who you are come to the show you know sure. come enjoy your, sure. your night but when you get people who are not used to show etiquette where they don't realize that they can be heard and they're just chatting and having a good time Uh-oh. and they're having a great time. And I, I always feel bad yeah. trying to break that up because it's confusing to someone who's not used to being at a show that's an acoustic show, for instance, where it's just me yeah. and you can hear everything. where you're hearing everything, you know? Yeah. And so, you know, early, early doors that used to get to me and I had a chip on my shoulder about it too, you know? So I'd, I'd call people out as politely as I could, but it would fuck with my head, you know, uh, sure. take me out of the moment. Yeah. And, uh, after a while that, that kind of goes away. It's like, you either say something or you don't you move on, you know, but, um, how do you get through that? Like, I always wonder that cause I've seen so many great artists where, you know, people are talking and, and, um, and you can read it on their face where they want to say something, but they've probably been through it so many times before where they just, they somehow, I don't know, the eyes change and they just plow through. Yeah. But you know, I'm the one wanting to like wring the people's necks. <laughs> yeah. It's, it, it's, it's also, that's a different thing you have to saddle, I suppose. Yeah. Of, of, and like with anything in life, the power is in the choice, the choice to say yes or no. And so many right. people in their lives are wallowing in this space of uh, ambivalence. And uh, yeah. it, it gets where anxiety cripples. It's, it's a large part of what depression is about, of feeling trapped in a place where you can't make a choice. And um, yep. I suppose it's, it's, in, it's that, that kind of sentiment in that moment of going, all right, I'm just gonna push through and do it. It's one of those nights. And once you click that off, it's, it's a lot easier to just plow ahead and you go, I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to get through it, 
give him a best. Or I'm going to fuck it up and be a mouthy right. bastard and keep drinking it's and just, just have a drunk show yeah, and make everyone laugh. And, and, you know, I used to do that quite a lot back in the day. If I was nervy, yeah. if things were going a weird way, I'd just be like, all right, I'm going to get some shots. Bartender. We'll just, yeah. I'll laugh about the people who are heckling me, you know, whatever. Right. But um, Yeah, I mean, there, there has to be a thing where, I mean, you're in a unique, you know, situation where, you're an actor. Well, part of what you do is is acting. So when people come to see you, especially early on when you were doing Vampire Diaries, they they wanted to be entertained as well. And my whole thing, I have a weird issue about that. Like I, I'm all for like, uh, like when I go to see a, an artist, you know, um, I go for the music first and foremost. Um, and I don't expect to be entertained. I don't, you know, I'm not there. I, you know, you're not a, a dancing bear like up there. I don't need, you know, um, but I think coming from, uh, uh um, sort of, uh, pop culture for a, a, a lack of a better word, for a world where you're, people are used to seeing you doing one thing and then they come and see you do music. I can imagine where you might have a disconnect where you might have people being like, come on, like, you know, perform. Yeah. Perform. Mm. Like, yeah. Oh, I bet. Do that the accent. Do the accent. I used to get that a lot. That drove me nuts. <laughs> yeah. Fucking. Um, yeah. It's also like, I'm not, I don't have a lot of great company as far as musician actors who are in working a serious in, way like they're trying to yeah. do things in a diy yeah. uh yeah ind independent serious legit yeah tasteful you know i want to play venues that i would want to go to a show in. i don't want to you know i could have taken yeah. an easier route with my music as far as you know mm -hmm. that goes like go take take the my stuff to bigger labels to try to get on some people's tours as a support but i've always just really valued well it all goes back to discord records man and just like seeing people yeah. like ian and you know everything yeah. that went on in that part of the world and the the natural growth and excitement like i've always felt like that's a part of my soul and even moving ahead to you know converge was another moment in my life where my music world exploded and um ironically mm -hmm. what jacob bannon's done with death wish is is very is very similar and the yeah the the growth yeah. and i'll obviously brett with with epitaph too you know just it's the idea of these people with ideas and not not like thinking we're gonna make this the biggest. It's just like we want to put out good shit. And they know that we want to do it the right way, the way that we feel like. The no, right no, way. they and, uh, yeah, they know that world. They know anyway, what I'm works. Rambling, they know how to make that's that's it kind of what I've always my baseline. Brett, been. in a lot of ways, um, I mean, Ian's a great. Well, he wouldn't want to be called this, but Ian's a, a good businessman. But I think Brett, um, you know understands his that world and has never stopped you know um even at his age and so i think you know discord is really like created you know a blueprint um and uh so many other labels have followed and yeah. and uh you know um it's 
It's something that I've, I don't know about you, but it's something that, and this may not be that obvious, but I've taken that um, approach. You know, I was born in, I'm still in D, outside of DC. So that was a really um, important um, example of how to, um, how to run a business or, or how to start a project. I mean, all of, the, you know, living, D, it's not a, I have to backdrop. It's not a DC thing. It's a punk rock thing. And so to um, yeah. have that, but if I didn't have, just like with you, if you didn't have that example of, oh, I can do this, um, you know, you wouldn't, I don't know if I would have had the confidence to, to go on later in life and do the things that I did, even if I didn't have any background in them, you know what I mean? Like, right. I mean, because, it, because watching That's what so happened true. in DC or what way. happened in other yeah. cities, whether it's fat records or, or epitaph or, or any number of labels, the touch and go, whatever, like um, mm-hmm. you saw that they were like, no, I'm going to do this and I'm doing it for the right, like, this is why I'm doing it because the music matters and um, you know, we're going to be fair to the artists and we're going to do this. And I may not know really what I'm doing, but I'm going to go ahead and do it anyway. And I'll make, I'll make good by by it, you know? And. Yeah. That's uh, ironically how I've lived my life. (laughs) I've never known what the hell I'm doing, you know, until now. Uh, But, uh, you know, I'm, 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 uh, I've worked very hard to not have to work very sure. hard, I suppose, um, is the way I like to put it. And I do work hard when, it, when it's go time. But I've learned to not sure. be chomping at the bit every five seconds like I used to, which is exhausting after a while and disappointing, you know. Um, but now it's like I know, I know when it's go time. And that's when I put all engines at full blast and go. And otherwise, I'm coasting through trying to absorb everything yeah. that's happening around me and see if it can be a part of my reality or not i suppose but yeah the uh i I completely agree with you there that i think also the like you said the transparency of that model and uh artists first and integrity has has been i don't think i would have done some of the shit i've I've done without feeling like i could just blag it and figure it out as i go along like these guys did and um uh I think so. Yeah, you're here to that, that, man. That's uh, that's something to be said for that. I know that there are people that prefer to, and and this is no slight on them. uh, They prefer to 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 spend months and months on spreadsheets and to uh, you know forecasts and things like that. I've just never been. Yeah. Yeah. No. I mean, hey, I wish I could do that. I'm just that's leave it to you know that's just not my thing. I when I think of (laughs) when I see something that I think. could make for well in the case now in my career if i see something or read something where i think could make for a great film then i just jump in and i go okay i know how to do this i can make this work and i don't get bogged down by you know people telling me no which is you know every day or you know um finances or things like that i just try and figure out a way like no, I've got a really strong idea here and I'm going to find a home for it, you know? And so. Yeah. Yeah. 
and you learn you learn as well that like you just yeah. you create these things that's and right they fly the nest or if they don't they're still growing while they're in there and it's like you just gotta you just gotta make sure your babies right. are taken care of and up to scratch for when they need to fly um because man i my my biggest issue sure. when i was starting out was just way too many ideas way too many songs I mean, when I went to do my first EP, Whoa. I had to whittle down from probably like a, almost a hundred songs because I'd never considered putting stuff out really. I mean, it was a very, I, I would say pure songwriting right. process for, for me. It was literally to write and to get stuff, create things out of nothing. and and share them with friends and family. And, you know, I do a real nervous show here and there, but it was almost like I didn't even, I wasn't, right. I wasn't connecting right. in that way. It was about the creation aspect of it. And so when I went to do my first records, it was completely you, overwhelming. So and I needed somebody to where help did you me find, to kill my hatchlings. Um, the band members? <laughs> there were too many. So... So uh, in the Michael Malarkey history, we've, we've skipped a, a chunk, not that I want to go through it all, by the way, but just to backtrack a little bit, I, I brought, I, I, um, mm -hmm. once I got into music, like we talked about punk rock and all that, I ended up starting my own band, did a hardcore band mm -hmm. and um, played with them for, for many years and then got into drama school. I became an actor and started working there. But I brought my guitar with me. So I was just writing music in all my free time sure. when I was training to be an actor and drinking. I mean, it's London pubs, probably. And um, I ended up getting a job after drama school at a, a pub and uh, meeting uh, this fellow from Sheffield called Danny Keir. And um, I knew he was involved right. in the music industry or had been in Sheffield. And it's a real hub of, of fantastic music and energy. Um, He'd done work with Mashi Mashi Records, which is a great label that puts out some kooky stuff and Razorlight and some other bigger groups. And um, I just kind of clued in that he was involved in the music scene and just started giving him some records, you know, that had like five full lengths worth of material that I gave him over the months we were working together. And at first he was like, right. oh, dude, that's right. that. you give me like a hundred songs, you know, like, give me, give me a minute. And he, he finally listened, got it. He got the vibe. And I think he appreciated the honesty I was doing stuff with. And uh, we work together still. So he started getting me out there doing open mics. He's like, you just need to get used to doing this. So it's not so much of a big deal, like every time. And um, yeah, basically he, he and I have, he's always the one who's recommended players at first. So I got to work with some people that I still work with to this day through his introductions. And uh, yeah, every everything we do decision wise is the two of us. I mean, and uh, I like you, I, I, I need somebody who has that brain where they can think right. about things in that way and plan and yeah. spreadsheets and stuff, because yeah. I don't want anything to do with it, to be honest. It distracts me yeah. and it makes you know, me that, think and, about numbers and think you. about things yeah. in a monetizing kind of way. And I, 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 not everyone has the luxury to stay away from that right now. 
um, and I'm lucky to have a, a right hand man who who helps with those things. Yeah. And yeah, we could do better at it. But again, we're learning it as we go along. And I like I'd rather have a friend that I'm talking to. Sure. That, so it's just more of a positive business right. relationship. It's not much at stake. So it works or it don't. Not that this just came to me late in life, but I think COVID reminded me of like just how fucking hard it is to like, you know, get out there and, uh, and, and, and make music and record it. I mean, I've been in a band. I, I, I know, like, I, I know how hard it is, but that was when I was younger. And I think I took it, I don't know. I just took it for granted. I, I used to play in a band called Clutch. I don't know if you remember. Did you? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. I was, I was a guitar player. Yeah. No shit. That's so cool, man. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love Clutch, but I'd, ne- I'd never seen them I was, play. I was on the first record. <laughs> yeah. I was on the first record right. and then they got signed right. to Atlantic and I quit. So right. that's the gotcha. story cool. of my life. Um, but, um, but yeah, I love some trucker shit, man. Yeah. Yeah. So for sure. I was like scissor three... fight. I don't know if you know, scissor fight. That's yeah. a rad band. Super girthy. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. That, that kind of stuff is cool. This like is, pre- this is like pre trucker. Like, yeah, I don't know yeah. what they are now, but, um, but yeah. So like, I, you know, I, I, I get all that, but, um, so, all right. So going back to shady side. So, um, Great band based out of uh, Ohio from like 99 to 2005, sort of like, um, I don't know. When I listen to it, I hear like, I hear a bunch of different stuff, but I hear like there's some Vagazi in there. There's like some glass jaw, jawbreaker. Like there's like, you know, but like you've got this really distinctive voice where you kind of alternate between this sort of baritone which you'll see later in in your you know later period music stuff baritone mixed with like the screaming stuff which was mm-hmm. like part of the hardcore screamo whatever you want to call it um and it was really really good i never saw you guys or anything but um but but really good and uh just wondering i mean would you ever uh consider doing a reunion so yeah, interestingly enough, uh, we've done a few reunion shows uh, over the years, but uh, the last one we did was probably about ten years ago. God, time is uh, yeah. tricky. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. So over over COVID, we got back together. I basically was hounding them to give me five songs. I was like, just give me. F-. And, and this is ever since I went to it was Wrecking Ball Festival in Atlanta, which is a bunch of killer bands. And uh, it was the first fest I'd been to for heavy music since I was in this, since I became an actor and whatever. And it just completely was like, uh, I want to be doing this again. Right. I really need to do yeah. this again. And so since then, years back, I, I'd been hounding them like, let's get an EP together. You know, we'll try to play the next one, you know, blah, blah, blah. It just took a while. And then COVID happened. And, you know, all of a sudden, everybody was dialed to the same point you know and uh we put together five songs um they recorded them and or uh, demos in dayton i did the vocals over top in atlanta and um now we're we're actually talking to a label about putting it out so nice um, yeah and i, I think also because we talked about redoing some songs and things and i was like no i want to do completely new 
completely clean slate. I want to sing about different stuff. I, I want to approach the vocal differently, obviously, because when I recorded stuff with Shady Side, I was never, honestly speaking, never too proud of what I'd done. I mean, there was there's moments in the songs where I'm like, hell yeah. But overall, I listen back and it's hard to enjoy it. Um, because I'm, uh, you know, I've, I suppose I've grown a lot as a person, obviously, but also my voice. I've learned to sure. work it in a different way sure. through singing more. Whereas I started out screaming before I was even singing, right? So I kind of had to learn singing afterwards. Um, still haven't learned it. I just do my thing. <laughs> uh, just to make that clear, uh, don't go to lessons. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was a real blast getting the boys back. In the in the saddle, and uh, I'm I'm excited to see how it's responded to because I think it's 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 like Shady Side 2.0. It's uh, got the same mathy aspect to yeah. it. You know, there's a, a lot of inspiration, a, a, a hardcore side because yeah, Glass Jaw, Drowning Man, all that stuff yeah. were very influential to us. Dead Guy, Cave In, early Cave In, chunky riffs and stuff. But there was also the element of like Promise Ring, right. Braid, yeah. Um, hot water music even yep. you know the kind of more driving punky side of things yeah. and i think love those bands i felt like it was good for us to tap into instead of going straight up for the singy screamy thing which kind of seemed to come naturally at the time now the new stuff has more of a fluidity to it it's got some elements of like i don't know planes mistaken for stars kind of quality vocal sometimes and um i wasn't trying to do a thing I guess is uh, what I want to say, but what came naturally to me now at this point in my life is how I wanted the music to progress. Right. You know, for us all to meet where we are now, not try to rehash sure, what sure. things used to be like, I yeah. suppose, if that makes sense. I mean, you've got to evolve all of you, you know, after yeah. all this, after all, you know, all this time. So I'm very curious to see what, what that ends. I'll send you the, sh I'll send you the demos. I'd love to hear it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Keep them in your pocket, though. I, you got it. <laughs> yeah, no problem. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, it sounds good, though. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm really stoked about it. And I wouldn't have been pushing it out there and trying to chat with people about it and talking about it if I didn't feel like it was up to scratch. You know, sure. It gave me that feeling of being in a VFW hall. Yeah. And sweaty and like checking people out and, yeah. and you know it just it's got that energy to it i yeah. really do think it does um so i think it's special that's great i look forward to sending it to you no i can't wait to hear it um what just going back for a second like i'm always curious um i know that some of what was going on in dc you know fugazi and and, and some of that stuff i mean i can hear it in the music in shady side so what um you came at it a little later, like uh, post, you know, like early 90s and stuff. Like, what was your impression of D.C.? You were in Ohio. Like, what? Um, I never lived anywhere other than D.C. And so when I would visit, when I would go to different, you know, uh, whether I was on tour or whether I was just visiting and I would go into different record stores and people would go like, oh, you're from DC. Like there, everyone had an opinion about that and it wasn't always good. So what, um, did you, what was your impression of what was going on in DC? Uh, hmm. Well, 
I mean, so for me, I'm I mm-hmm. come from Yellow Springs, Ohio, first of all, which is three mm-hmm. to four thousand people. Small town. It's a village. And uh I every big city mm-hmm. to me was intimidating, you know. And the first city I moved into that was bigger was Dayton, which was about forty minutes, mm-hmm. half an hour, forty minutes down the road. Um, but I feel like in those days when I was traveling and going to shows, every big city just felt the same. It was just but also, I mean, I'm a very, uh, I get overstimulated sure. when there's lots of shit going on all the time. And I find it hard to really take in my surround, like I do now. Now I, I'm able to do that a bit more, but right. it used to just really fuck me up and um, just right. smoked mad weed and got to the shows right. and went back. Um, but um, it, it, if anything, it had this kind of. Was there a kind of a mystique? Like a, uh, yeah. Yes, a mis- yeah, yeah. It's this mm-hmm. mis- mis- star quality mystique to it because of right. obviously what we just spoke about and what it represents. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, my favorite moment in DC was going. We traveled all the way from Ohio to go see a Page Ninety Nine, City of Caterpillar, Majority Rule, Circle Takes the Square lineup at this gymnasium, and it was amazing and i I was really bang into that Mm -hmm. realm of music at the time church or was it a gymnasium or gymnasium it was a gymnasium yeah it was a massive gymnasium i think okay i think it was in dc no that's very possible i mean there was a whole period of time in dc where i i Um, kind of checked out so yeah um but yeah but yeah i don't i don't remember much other than just right. losing my right. shit at the show good friends and chats on the way home you know <laughs> but um so the later period stuff that the stuff that you're doing now which is tremendous by the way thank you um i hear a lot of like it's really interesting to hear you go from shady sides and then to hear the stuff now um i love the videos by the way i love um you know, the lyrics, you've got some really interesting music, like guitar stuff going on. Um, I hear, you know, and I hope you take this um, in the best possible way, because it's meant that way. Um, you know, I hear Tom Waits, I hear Leonard Cohen, I hear Nick Cave. Um, and have they been longtime influences? Or is that just something that you, was it just like through osmosis, just kind of hearing this stuff? Because um it's really good stuff thank you um yeah i mean those have definitely been influences of mine over the years not all the way throughout i suppose and when i first started writing my main musical inspirations were probably more like tim kasher from mm. cursive and mm-hmm. the kinsella yeah. brothers and joan of arc and captain jazz Yeah, i could see that so yeah. my early stuff that's never been released has a lot more avant-garde playful i'm i'm trying to be clever on the guitar you know i'm i'm really pushing myself to be clever at the expense of being able to sing along to my own stuff you know and uh along the way you know uh, obviously i crossed paths with tom waits and i remember sitting in my oh uh, did you have not not, not actually, but like, you know, metaphysical, oh, metaphysical Got paths. Yeah, yeah. I remember sitting at my buddy Travis's house looking through his dad's old records 
and I saw Tom Waits Rain Dogs and I remember mm-hmm. thinking it was just a, a silly cover like what the right. fuck is this right. Rain Dogs but then I I can't remember if I looked at the track list I think I looked at the track listing and going whoa this is actually kind of kooky looking and uh, putting it on and just having my mind blown because uh, I just I didn't realize you were allowed to do music like that. I mean, even though sure. I was listening to shit like Joan of Arc, which was completely abstract, right. the fact yeah. that in a commercial way, and I hesitate yeah. to call Tom Waits commercial, yeah, but you feel me. Um, I do. It, 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 it created this pocket of space, along with obviously when I found a lot of early Dylan stuff and was like, oh wait, we can be loose, but controlled at the same time. My voice doesn't have to be perfect. And um, I think that was something that that click was important for me, realizing I didn't have to sing perfect or I didn't need to even sing well. I needed to uh, mean what I sang or create cool images to play with that are fun to use. And uh, I I guess finding Tom Waits really turned me down this rabbit hole of just expressing myself however it came out and feeling okay with that. And uh, yeah, uh, that, that was a big influence to me. And Leonard Cohen and Nick Cave, obviously as well. Leonard Cohen came a little bit later. Um, yeah. But I, was, I had the pleasure of being able to see him on one of his last tours in London, which um, mm. was a really, really special moment. I bet. Yeah, what, what I love about him, tour was, oh, yeah. and everybody knows this, who's a Cohen fan, but just how much of a absolute gentleman mm. and uh, he is and how grateful he is to be there and to be sharing. And um, I've always taken a lot of inspiration by, I suppose, his sense of, of gratitude um, to the to the work and what he does, even though he was royally fucked for for a while, yeah. Um, yeah. he's he still got back in there and did his thing, and he meant it, man. You know, like you see, because yeah, I was stopped. in like one of the first rows, you know, and just hanging on to every look, seeing yeah. the glistening in his eyes, and just seeing a man who's completely in the world he's created, and yeah. believing it and sharing it, and then you look back and you see thousands of people were in this world too and just like i was in tears man you know yeah um and inspired yeah 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 i mean that last tour i mean unfortunately i think he did some of that for the money because he was i think he owed some money yes, or whatever but, definitely didn't show but that. <laughs> uh, yeah yeah and he never he never stopped he never um you know and uh but yeah, I hear some of that, and you know, lyrically, I I, I see some of it, and uh, that's not an easy guy to to try and you know sit in bed with. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um. So switching gears for a second, um, in Project Blue Book, um, you know, you played this character who was studying the existence of UFOs in the. 50s and 60s um and were you maybe this isn't your thing maybe it was you know you know could care less about this stuff but i did find it interesting that in you know in the last couple of months we've 
you know, the gov U.S. government came out and said, well, yeah, there are UFOs. Mm -hmm. And yet it didn't seem to really even raise an eyebrow, like collectively in terms of, you know, American culture. Mm -hmm. um, you know, do, do you believe in UFOs? I mean, what did you think of that? Yeah, I, well, t I, I totally believe that there's other, yeah. other things going on and other things out yeah. there and other things that are hidden here. Yeah. And I think it's important to realize that it's not just about aliens. And um, also, I think the reason why it's been so less of a whole uproar uh, thing this time is uh, we've just become so completely desensitized to grandiosity, I suppose. Right. We're just like, oh, okay, well, aliens, all right, uh, hey, doesn't change my trip to supermarket. Okay. Uh, okay. Right. I don't right. know. Uh, but I don't want to downplay that at all because I think that that in itself is actually a very important thing to note. And I feel like that's part of the state we're in right now as a species, this feeling of being pushed around like we're in this ocean. Yeah. And, uh, I think that there's a there's a part of, there's a part of truth in in that connection to why we're not shocked anymore. We're not shocked as much by violence. We go, okay, this many people were killed in this war. Oh, this many people, this happened in Afghanistan. Okay, so what? And yeah. it's a real. I don't know. It's hard to know what to call it. To be honest, it's yeah. such a it's such a real it's so multifaceted and multi layered where we are at a species. And I think a lot of it has to do with this disconnect with community, to be honest, to tie it back yeah. into what we gain from music. Yeah. Um, because the death of community um, is, I don't know, it's the death of the world. You know, if you destroy that pulse, then what's left, you know, it's diluted Agreed. and you're just connecting on a superficial level and then nothing does matter. We become Agreed. like we're in just a simulation. And what does it matter? Yeah. Because we're going to check out one day like an avatar and wake up in some yeah. other world. And I think there's a danger of people really believing that in an unhealthy way where there's a complete disconnect from the earth as, as yeah. a pulsing mass of organisms and stuff that's very much alive. And I think the more we, we have pulled away from community the more we've pulled away from earth because community grows in earth you know it doesn't grow in high-rise towers that are disconnected you know um i don't know just rambling on that but no i, I not rambling I, I i agree with you 100 and i think it's it's something that i focus on with film projects i do i mean i i try to always come back community is always the first thing that I look for in a story, and um, uh, and I think it 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 just it, it informs so much of what we do, and the lack of that is what leads to, you know, kind of where we're at right now in a lot of ways. And um, uh, you know, I my whole thing about UFOs or paranormal, whatever it might be, like I'm, you know call me crazy but i you know i just think it's arrogance to think anything other than there might be something 
I yeah. mean, and I think that's a, I think that's a very American way to, to think. Yeah. Um, Let's see the oh. imperialist method, man. Exactly. It's complete xenophobia, really. Exactly. It's, it's because, because you're, you're, the fear becomes greater than the need to investigate it. Exactly. And, uh, and this, this and, goes across know. the board for many things, you know? Yeah. And it's not going away. I mean, it's just, it's who we are. It's, it's, it's in our country's DNA. So, well, the, the thing uh, is with it, what I love uh, about that job and what I love about acting in general, and part of the reason I do it besides the obvious, which is the artistry of it, I suppose, maybe that's sure. not obvious, but that's, <laughs> that's why I do it. I love, I love that aspect of it, of finding a character of creating sure. a world and creating a walk even or changing the accent and, and finding this human human or vampire whatever you're doing in in the role but also just the research and getting getting to investigate right. ufos like full right. on for a, a couple right. years man i was literally was it know, was it a full-time like yeah well yeah. I, but also I, I just i get obsessive man you know if you give yeah. me something that i'm supposed to work on yeah my issue is when i don't know what i'm supposed to be working on then i just coast <laughs> just, right. i don't right. know all of them. but give you something yeah in your, your we're gonna own. we're gonna pay you to research this okay yeah i will all obsess right. over it for years i will go down every rabbit hole <laughs> and i will yeah no i get it but it's still on my radar you know it's still something that yeah. i got one eye on you know yeah yeah um, yeah um you're really one of the things I respect about you most is that you're uh, you never uh, hesitate to um, be kind of an outspoken activist on a number of, of subjects on your social media. And one of which is the current situation in Palestine. And I know that that's something that's, you know, uh, has affected your family. And I know that that's something that's, you know, you're passionate about. And uh, we don't have to go into, you know, to everything right now, but um, how important to you, I mean, I love that you use your, um, your social media presence to address not just Palestine, but other issues. And um, I'm just wondering, have you, do you get much uh, pushback from your following? I mean, you have a very large following. Do you get pushback? From your following or is it generally speaking is it is it you know yeah we're with you michael like we you know well <laughs> so first it's of all a I very don't, obviously emotional issue yeah I, I mean first of all i don't open my dms so i don't if there's pushback i don't see much of it but i'm sure there's you. some horrible horrible messages in my dms um Sometimes I'll get comments on pictures and things, but I, I think it's all—it's all about how you react. It's about having grace when dealing with situations that are graceless, I suppose, um, because there's some pretty horrible energies running around, not just politically in those countries, but online with certain troll vibes and all that jazz, sure. where they're feeding off yeah. of your reactions so yeah. if you starve them of that then they just you know they disappear they don't they don't you're not susceptible and um i'm human too i have my moments where i'm like oh my god i really yeah. want to just pull my sleeves up and like 
get into just a certain mode and i used to and i you yeah. can't we i don't think any of us were completely uh, innocent of, of not getting into it at one point or another um especially during the past couple of years oh, but yeah. um, the times i did and i was really getting into it and trying to get my points across from a good place of going oh look this is these are the facts these are the references here's the thing right. you know put stuff i had stuff on like a page on the side that i could right, plug right, in right. if somebody needed a, a link yeah. you know and then i kind of got to this point where i was like thinking about that shit all the time and following all of these um, journalists and things and it was like so present in my head that i was losing track of what was going on in my life really if we're completely honest or it was almost like took the backseat. And so I realized I was definitely not giving as much time as I should have been that's present to my kids. You know, my phone was always there checking the news scroll and stuff like that. And so now I've just resorted to providing the information that I find and I'll have times where I'm looking and researching and times when I'm not at all right. rocking out to some crazy jams or playing with my family and right. uh, you know separating things in your head compartmentalization is is important especially when you're involved in stuff like that because it's so yeah. emotion inciting and if you're not careful you, you make your own hurricanes sure. so you're just as whirling i mean you meet the people that are really got their finger on the pulse as far as shit goes and i mean yeah. the liberals are even worse than the conservatives at this stage as far as i'm concerned they're all the same the same bucket of mush if, if right. and, and, and if you're not careful you just end up stirring the bucket over and over and you have to you have yeah. to take scheduled steps back and realize okay i i was becoming like the thing i was despising and this is a common human thing you you end up being a chameleon to what's around you and if it's sure. bad chi you know, it's somebody's gonna rub off on you, and uh, but uh, same, same, uh, me saying all this, I felt like it was important at this time in my life, and I felt almost like dishonest to myself for not speaking about it, you know, who I have come to be, who I am as a father, a husband, and what I hope for our kids because sure. I, I really do believe in the younger generation and there's so many crazy ideologies bouncing off of the walls yeah why not add mine sure. <laughs> yeah but i felt There's like you know more. what I, I i've come to a certain certain not conclusions because i don't really believe in that but realizations of who our right, brother are thank you so much species and i want to share that i want to share my yeah. findings and i hope that they can maybe inspire other younger people to take at least some of those ideas and run with them. Cause I've had a very mixed feeling about when people look up to other people, mm -hmm. it's a very, well, it's the Spider-Man thing, isn't it? You know, with great power right. comes great responsibility. Right, right. And I didn't think about that for ages. I was just doing my own thing. I'm a rock mm -hmm. and roller, whatever the fuck, you know, yeah. then, then you start thinking like, and it's around when you have oh, kids. Wait. But yeah. the people in my life that I looked up to back then were, I mean, I looked up to like Hunter S. Thompson, for instance. Sure. But you're not going to follow that entire trajectory, you know. And what right. you learn is like, okay, these role models that kids have, they're not following every single move, move and ending up in a 
dead in a bathtub. They're going to take some of those right. ideas and and, and gonna... shed what they, you know, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> hopefully take they'll lose the suicide and... bit or whatever. You right. Know. But yeah, Hunter is. Yeah. But he was he was a big inspiration of mine. I mean, especially how I yeah, lived my too. life, being a Gonzo, yeah, life enthusiast. I want to get involved yeah. in the city I'm I'm visiting. I want to meet the locals. I yeah. want to eat what you eat. I don't want to have yeah. a homogenized experience where I'm eating at the same or searching for the same sandwich I can buy down at the corner right. store at my own house. You know. Yeah. No, you're. you're I, I'm with you. And the thing I learned most about you know Hunter and Lester Bangs and writers like that mm-hmm. is like, you know, just. Um, you're not writing, you know, you're not writing, you're not writing for the people that you're doing an article for. They are not your friends. You are writing about the truth, right? It's awesome. So if you lose a few, a few friends in the process, so be it, but you've told the truth. And, Hell yeah. you know, so that's, that's always important to me. And I take that into documentary films and, and, you know, um, um, it's tough because you, you, you do a film and each film you do, you, you know, um, you lose people. Yeah. And, uh, but ultimately at the end of the day, you try and make the most objective, honest film you can make, or if it's an article, I'm right. You know, you try to make the most objective, honest article you can make and not everyone's going to see it that way. I mean, you know, look, any documentary, I'm guilty of this too. You watch a documentary. I'm sure if you watched a documentary on, you know, shady side and, and they'd be like, you know, and it wasn't someone in your inner circle. There's about a hundred of them out there, by the way. It's crazy. Are there? Got a, no, no, I'm just playing. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but you'd be like, fuck that. That didn't happen. You know? And um, so I just try to provide like whatever honesty I can provide. But, but anyway, um, all right, last question. So what um finally this got canceled this week, but this is kind of an I mean, I think where we're going is a nice segue into this. Did you see um that fucking dystopian TV reality show, The Activist? Oh, uh, that they were going to uh that they put were gonna, that out. Yeah, yeah and heard, then they pulled the yeah, plug yeah. and they thought they, they turned the it plug. into a documentary, right? Yeah. What the fuck? Uh, you know, it's like the, the con, you know, just making activists face off against each other mm. seems, you know, it just it cheapens the whole. Th- and you know, well, the thing is, I, I the mean, there's there's so there's, there's several layers to this. Maybe actually. it was well intentioned. I don't know. Uh, it to be honest, it probably was, but that's part of the problem is the fact that exactly. they think doing a show like this could be the answer right. to more activism. Are you kidding me? Kidding me? Not in the right way. No, not in the no, right way. No. And I think this no. is where we run into issues with the whole influencers, uh, hypo realistic, whatever the yeah. this, this thing is, you know, um, where that's taking more importance than the actual thing itself. Yeah. You know, and I mean, I'm, I'm very anti uh, competition shows just yeah. across the board because I feel, I'm not a big- to be honest, I feel yeah. like competition is something that's so ingrained from us from a young age um, that it's actually criminal because it's creating conflict that doesn't need to exist. So well said. Michael, thanks so much for your time. Uh, This was great, and I'd love to do it again. All right, brother. Thank you so much. Yeah.